You know, in KZN, the pastors go with these things, eh? Especially under the tents. <laughs> Let's get a white one. All right. Everyone, uh, maybe just turn me slightly down. Thanks, Phil. There's a little bit of an echo there. Um, you know where we're at. Your Bible should just automatically fall there. We're in Ephesians chapter 4. Okay. And let's just get reminded of, of where we're at. What, what has happened to us in this gospel? And what has happened to us in this gospel is astounding what has taken place. And I hope that you've said this morning already through the songs that we're trying to punch your heart to this greatness. We need this greatness in front of us. We've got the greatest of odds against us. We've got the greatest of enemy against us, inside of us, outside of us. The greatest of responsibilities and challenges and troubles and trials and all that. But greater is He. Amen. Amen. So let's not lose that. And what has taken place in us? What has taken place? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. That believing kind of hearing. When you believed in Christ, you were taught in Him, you were schooled in Him, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were educated. You were taught with regard to your former life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in the true righteousness and holiness. That's what's taken place. It's an event that has happened and it is a process. It is a journey going forward. But that, nothing less has happened. Nothing less. You have been equipped. In Christ you have been schooled. You are ready. You are more than ready. The old man is buried. Hallelujah. Never to resurrect again. You have been given a new man or a new woman. And you have been given His Holy Spirit in you. Two to one to the flesh. Two to the one, the flesh. So we are more than stocked, more than ready to do all that God commands us to do. Amen? Amen. And that's what follows now. Our 11 commands. (laughs) And we're not intimidated by that because of what we've received. We have received the super one. We can do anything in Christ Jesus. Amen? And we saw last week, what is the first command? Therefore, verse 25, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. We can do that. You can do both those things. Put off falsehood, speak truthfully to your neighbor. And we talked about the, the this priority and this topic of being truthful in our world. We are all members of one body. It benefits everybody when we're truthful. Right, now we come to verse 26. This is astounding, everyone. Listen to this. In your anger do not sin in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold that's where we're going to end today that's enough (laughs) that is enough don't get mad but let's unpack what it means when the bible says angry normally when the bible says anger or angry it's not a very positive thing is it It's never a positive thing when the word anger comes up in the text. Um, Matthew 5 verse 22 says, He's more concerned about the anger in your heart than the murder. It's, It's from anger in the heart. 
the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son, was just a picture Jesus conveying to the religious that they're angry about this forgiveness that God gives. They're angry for the wrong reasons. Ephesians 4.31, just a bit later in the chapter, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. And that's not the only text in the Bible that says get rid of it. I mean, you, you know. Colossians 3 verse 8, put away anger. 1 Timothy 2 verse 8, pray with holy hands, not in anger. Okay, so anger is a negative thing. But what is Paul talking about? He says, in your anger. So hold on. In Christ, in this new man, in this new way, in this new life, guess what also is rightly there? Anger. That's, that's interesting. That's interesting. I want this new anger to be bigger than your anger issue today. What do you mean? <laughs> I want this new anger in your new man to be a bigger issue than your anger issue. And your anger issue is bad. Let's not deny it. Okay? It's not commandment number two for nothing. It's not right at the top of the list for nothing. Because everyone's got this issue. This anger issue. It's saturated in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's negative consequences. But today, Paul turns it around and he says, I want you to put that somewhere else. In your anger. We're going to get angry about something else today. Okay? And that's why the title of the message, Your New Man and Your New Anger. Your New Anger. Alright? What is this new anger? What qualifies? What are the characteristics of this new anger? It does three things. Okay, so when you count to ten, you're actually going to count to thirteen. You're going to count one to ten in your anger. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven, do not sin. Twelve, do not let the sun go down while you're so angry. Three, thirteen, do not give the enemy a foothold. You got it? So that's your new holy number. 1 to 10, 11, do not sin. 12, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, don't get so irritated that the irritation boils up to boiling point. Okay, rein it in. Number three, don't give the enemy a foothold. Don't give space for the prowling lion to come and ravage. All right, that's your new number. Not 10, 13. I've got to ask myself the question, is this even possible? Is it even possible to be angry without sin? I don't know. I don't even know if that's possible. What's Paul talking about? I mean, is it even is it even in here? Oh, it's in here. Who else is angry? Righteously angry. God Himself. God, the one in whom we've been made the image and now remade into. He's an angry God in the right sense. So if in Him is anger and we've been made in Him, guess what? There's an anger element, but a right anger. A right anger. God's anger had a face. It was expressed when the enemies 
of Israel would come against them. And Israel would see the, the enemy's face. And that enemy's face is God's anger against their sin. In Romans, God talks about the government. And the government is an expression of God's anger against those who do evil. So as you look at the government and the sword of the government, that's God's face, His angry face, against evil. Alright? So there is a righteous, holy anger. Jesus, it says in Mark, looked and they could see He was angry. So if there is an anger that is righteous and holy, there is a new anger. It's possible. It's there before he healed. And now Ephesians chapter 4, in fact, if you look at your subnote or if you have a study Bible, you will see Paul is quoting from Psalm 4. And he's quoting David telling his people, in your anger don't sin. So if, if the Old Testament can tell people, in your anger, so we could be angry, why wouldn't he tell the New Testament? So it's there. I want to inflate this, everybody. Inflate this. And this must be so inflated that it would be bigger than your anger issue. Which maybe for some of you is right up there. I mean, we have everything. The kindling is waiting for you outside these doors. The kindling is at work. The kindling is in the family. The kindling is in our, in our context. We've got so many things outside of our control. It, the it's like a bomb is going to go off any minute. But I want you to see this new anger in a higher degree, in a higher capacity, in a higher hope than what you are facing, what we are facing. But we have to ask the question, is it realistic to, in our anger, not sin? Absolutely. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? There is a possibility. There is a new way. And 2023 is going to have more of that. Amen? In our anger, no sin. In our anger, not boiling up to, 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 you know, boiling over. And in our anger, less and less and less and less territory for the enemy in our heart. Correct. 2023, God is helping us. May we find that to be our path. All right. So let's not confuse, because this is what happens. We confuse our anger that's illegitimate with legitimate anger. Let's not get that confused. We're going to set those lines nice and straight. If it's making you sin, that's illegitimate anger. It's illegitimate. If, if it's making you vein-popping angry <laughs> or violently irritated, exasperated, festering, that is illegitimate anger. So imagine with me, you fix your mind on this grace. Fix your mind on that grace. And what you don't deserve. How that can extinguish your anger. That's, that's partly the, the, the remedy. We are so susceptible to just brooding on it and brooding on it or fixating on our rationalization or our justification all day, just brooding on it, brooding on it, instead of renewing our mind. And by the end of the day, it's level 10 RPM. 
However, a mind that is renewed in the gospel, and what does that mean? If I'm renewed in the gospel, I'm thinking on the forgiveness of sin, my sin. I'm thinking of grace. I'm thinking of God's patience, God's mercy, God's unconditional love. I'm thinking of having my mind renewed by chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians over and over. I'm having my mind renewed that I'm a slave to righteousness. That could settle the whole matter before you've even said a word. It could be just expunged. So I don't give it time to, to irritate. And then the third quality there is, and I've put in your notes, to sidestep the enemy. Understand that, I'm counting to 13, because I'm aware that the enemy is waiting. <laughs> just waiting for you to give him one foot. One foot. Just waiting. Think about this, everyone. In Christ we are. In the gospel we are. In grace we are. In church with this grace community. And it's possible to have the devil in your heart. The anger issue is demonic. The anger issue is a spiritual issue. And it is illegitimate if it doesn't pass those criteria. It is illegitimate. You can be right, but you're wrong. But think about giving the devil, the enemy, space in your heart. That's what we're doing. I'm going to come back to this text a bit later. I'll just highlight it now. Romans 12, verse 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Okay? Don't give the devil space. Make space for God's wrath. It is mine to avenge. I will repay. Okay? So maybe we should count to 14. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, I will not sin. 12, I will not let it boil up to festering. 13, I will not give the devil space. 14, I'm going to give God space. I'm going to give God space. His vengeance space. James 1, 19 to 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Slow. I mean, you can be angry. A righteous, holy, good anger. We must be angry. Angry, I'll say it what now, but it's a slow thing. It's a slow process. It's not flashy. It's not instant. It's not off the cuff. It's not... I missed the word there. Slow to become angry because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. So Paul knows their weakness 2,000 years later, it's still a problem. And God speaks to us, this is our vulnerability, this is our vulnerability, so generally 13, 14, 15. Amen? 11, 12, 13, 14, sorry. So I want to inflate this new kind of anger because we're commanded to have this anger. In your anger, in your anger, 
do not sin. Our point as Christians is to make the fullness of Christ known. Amen? That's where Christ is headed with His body, the church. He is making all things filled in Him. His presence will be over every square kilometer in the universe and on this earth, visible and invisible. That's our mission. That's where it's going to end. And part of that is going to be how we direct our anger in that mission. That's how we're going to make this kingdom come. Is by inflating this new anger, deflating our anger issue. That's how we're going to witness. Is by deflating our anger issue and inflating our new anger. So there are massive consequences to getting this right. Like there are massive consequences when we get it wrong. I mean, anger... I mean, I think that is the one that really hicks us up the most. I mean, we... And it's so, we're blind. It makes us blind, you know, that because we get mad at other people's sin. And then when we sin, we're not so mad. We're blind. You know? Or, or, or you know, we see, we say, and we only say this when we're angry. That made me angry. But we don't say, that made me cheat. Or that made me steal. We only say that about anger. So, there's definitely some hypocrisy, some self-deception, and some blindness in this. But there is an anger that is not blind, that is not self-deceiving, and that is not hypocritical. And that's the anger we're going to press into going forward. Where is that? How do we get this new anger? New anger. And so, I'm just going to put before you, I mean, we could go anywhere with this, just a few things. Number one, okay? This new anger is going to come out by eliminating the selfish anger. You have got to make war on the illegitimate anger. It is not right. Okay? You make war against that. It is not right. And I would start tomorrow. Start tomorrow by saying, Lord, this is your day. This is your day. I wonder how much anger, illegitimate anger, we could forego just by making tomorrow more about God than less about ourselves. Just that disposition. My day my schedule, my priorities, my way, my kingdom, and everyone else, you serve my purposes. And every obstruction, every delay, every annoyance, everyone that doesn't cooperate, you may not blow up instantly, but by the end of the day, you're a pressure cooker waiting to blow. Right? So I wonder how much illegitimate anger we could forego if we started the day, Lord, this is your day. This is your day and I will be glad in it. This is your day running on your schedule. I am a servant to you, King. This is your kingdom. This is your way. In fact, everyone else's role is the same. It's the same. Everyone is a servant to the Sovereign One. So I'm going to start my day by making you the center of everything. 
Because going the other way, there's just no room for the Holy Spirit. There's no space for Him to act or to work. There's no time for you to be a servant, to be small. Everybody, double click. What has happened to us? We have received the grace of God. Amen? The old is gone, the new has come. A great, powerful transaction has taken place. We have been schooled and made ready to live this way. That tomorrow actually belongs to God. And so does the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And may we forgo a lot of illegitimate anger just by changing our disposition tomorrow. That this is God's day, not my day. And maybe by 5 o'clock when we get home to our kids... And now we've got to find the time to disciple them, to love them, to care for them, to be kind for them. We will have the space. We will have the energy. We will have the emotional capacity. Because this is the Lord's day. Instead of being drained and empty and frazzled and completely undone. Just change the pace of the day. Let us shepherd our hearts that God is king, it's his day, and you are a servant in his day. We follow him, we are servants under him in his day, and that's our role. That's our role. And I'm to shepherd others. Okay. That applies to all of us. I mean, and I meet with you, I talk with you, I mix with you, some of you. Life has not worked out the way you thought. And you're angry. Change your disposition. Change your disposition. It's not your kingdom. It's God's kingdom. He's king. My body is failing. Change your disposition. I'm scared. Change your disposition. My kids are gone. Change your disposition. I'm jobless. I'm single. Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And let us not be qualified when Jesus says, you praise me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Whatever context you find yourself, however life has worked out, let's forgo illegitimate anger. And let us now reap a harvest of righteousness. Are you tired yet? Are you sick of the negative spiritual economy you're bringing upon yourself and others because you will not let go of your illegitimate anger. You've confused it with legitimate anger. We're not confused anymore. The line has been drawn straight. Thank you, Ephesians. And now, what awaits you is an anger without sin. An anger that is slow. And an anger that gives no foothold for the enemy. Amen? That's what I want, 2023. Is that what you want? That's what I want. Let's make God the center of the day. It's my, my approach for myself and my approach for you. The second thing we do is when these things come across, the circumstances change, the conversations change, the, there's a disruption, a disagreement, a distraction, an obstruction. Right then you ask yourself, can I see the menu of the fruit of the Spirit? Right then. And you choose which fruit you're going to apply to that situation. 
That's what you do. When the obstruction, the annoyance, the irritation, the thing that didn't go quite your way, the thing that turned upside down, the thing that's making you angry, go to the fruit of the Spirit menu and choose any option. And play that. Play that. Take that. My wife is disagreeing with me. Uh, Goodness. (laughs) Joy. Patience. My kid. Goodness. Patience. Joy. (laughs) Self-control. You with me? And the same, children, with your parents. You go to the menu and choose from the fruit of the Spirit. Your kids are slowing you down. Patience. Faithfulness. Maybe some goodness. Some self-control. You with me? I think for myself, if I could do that, if that was my automatic go-to, 80% of my pressure cooker situation would decompress. Right there. Just pull that pressure valve. That's where we start. But it starts, I think it starts with saying, Lord, this is your day, your will. I'm your servant. You're the center of this day. And when these things come up, I'm going straight to the menu of the fruit of the Spirit and I'm going to apply that. But then secondly, we've got to be angry and angry with your sin. Right? Angry with your sin more than you're angry with other people's sin. I mean, I'm angry at other people's sin. Hmm? I'm angry. (laughs) And a lot of stuff is going to make you angry. I'm not happy with how things have worked out. I'm happy we're on stage three today. I don't know about tomorrow. Okay? But be angry about your sin. Remember, Jesus came. He died for you while you were still an enemy. But God paid that price. He gave you a whole new identity. He's given you a new person. He's given you His righteousness. You have a new heart, a new covenant. A, a, a new love for him, a new love for other people, and you hate sin. Is that right? It's war with sin. It is war with sin. Just like God hates sin. So when, wives, when you come home and you want to decompress with your husband, decompress, but also include in the conversation, and I'm so upset at how I reacted. I'm so upset I lost control. I'm so upset that I got upset. (laughs) I'm so upset that I missed the menu and I responded like that. I'm so upset because of my sin. Does that conversation come up? Men as well. No, it doesn't. Well, let it start coming up. We hate sin. Is that right? We hate sin. We get mad. That's a right, right mad. That's a good anger. That's right. That's right. Because God hates sin. He hates sin. He, he hates sin for eternity. That's why He's made hell. He's made hell so that He can show everyone, I hate sin forever. 
And if you don't repent of your sin, that's your space. And I will keep demonstrating my hate for sin forever. This is not a blip. This is not an inconvenience. This is not just something we get over. This is massive. It's eternal. And the stakes are high. Is sin a small thing? No, he said his son to die on the cross. And somehow in those, in those hours, he put his eternal wrath on his son. He killed his son. He fractured the Godhead for sin. God hates sin. When else are you angry about your sin? Because God is angry with sin. Amen? Hate your sin. Your sin. Be angry with your sin. Don't be stupid and get angry at other people's sin and not your own sin. We hate sin. When someone comes to say to you, listen man, you, you sinned. You say, yes, you're right, I hate sin. Right? You're right. I hate sin. I hate sin like you hate sin. Be angry with sin. We don't make a peace treaty with sin. We don't compromise with sin. There's no indifference with sin. We hate sin. I mention this because this is the key to dealing with your anger with other people's sin. When other people sin, you've gone and you've renewed your mind with how you hate sin. And if we would do that, maybe we don't even need to say anything. Maybe we could just pray and forgive the person and it's actually done. Because your mind is double-clicked on what you've received. You're not, you're not angry. You're angry at the sin, but your mind has been renewed at the grace you've received. And you know what? God's not shaken. If it's a brother in the Lord, what he begins, he will bring to completion. He has every confidence that his transformation and his sanctification will take place. Sometimes we don't need to say anything. Forgive and say nothing. Sometimes. But... Everybody, understand, parents, when your children sin, be angry, but be angry at your sin first. Pa children, when your parents sin, be angry, but be angry at your sin first. Citizens of South Africa, when whoever sins, be angry, but be more angry at your own sin. We don't condone whatever is taking place outside these walls in whatever level of authority. We don't condone that. But this is a key. This is a key to reaping a harvest of righteousness. It's keeping a humble mentality that I hate my sin. I hate sin. So maybe put more or less emotion and less energy into other people's sin and into your own sin. And see how that equation works out for you in your mind and in your heart. And then I put in your notes there, number three. That we're to, this new anger, it's, it's a mixed, when it comes out, it's mixed with compassion. It's mixed with compassion. Why is it mixed? It's mixed because if we, if it's just compassion, and we don't talk about the sin, then that's lost its relevance. But if you're just going to talk about the sin without the love 
and the compassion, that also bears nothing. It's a mixture of both. It has both. A compassion, but a new anger. But a new anger. So when the conversation has to take place, and sometimes the sin needs a conversation. If the sin of another person is polluting the heart, it's becoming a pattern. It's an injustice. It's hurting others. It's tempting others to do the same. You need to speak up. You need to speak up. And how do you speak up? You speak up with compassion and good anger. You're right. We hate sin. But also with compassion. And you navigate that conversation accordingly with both those things. Maybe you didn't have to say anything, but I'm saying if it meets those criteria, that it's hurting other people, there's a great grievous injustice, or it's tempting other people in the church to fall in the same sin, you need to speak up. And speak up with compassion and this new anger. But don't forget your sin. That's what keeps you humble, and that's what the disposition of the conversation is like. What if it's not a believer and they sin? Same thing. If it's not a believer and it's hurting others, it's an injustice and it's a pattern, then you still need to speak up. We just read in chapter uh, verse 24 that we are to do away with falsehood and speak truthfully. Correct. But when we speak, not in anger, a new anger, we do it with compassion and a new anger. And we navigate the conversation accordingly. And guess what? We still end up with Jesus. You express to them, look, this is offensive. Look, this is grievous. Look, look at what's on the table. Maybe open their minds to, the, to what's going on and the consequences of their behavior or, or, or lack of. But you're going to point them to Jesus and say, but hey, that's not all. There's someone who's died for that. There's someone who can save you from that. There's someone that can make this better. Let me talk about Jesus and introduce the compassion of Jesus Christ. And so that's where we conclude, everyone, in these conversations. Always, it's more about Jesus than about us. It's more about Him. What He's done on the cross, His compassion, His anger, His anger, His compassion. That's where the conversation lands and less about ourselves. But speak the truth and deny falsehood. To the young people, if you get this right, you've just foregone incredible expense, emotionally, financially, and you are well on your way to a solid legacy, solid legacy. It's not going to make you famous on Instagram. It's not going to get you a hundred shares on Facebook. But in God's eyes, you will reap a harvest of righteousness. Amen? Amen. Okay. And to our beloved families, husbands, and wives, please reset. Reset. There is enough going on outside. And you know, we cannot navigate the day if stuff underneath is still sitting there. Put off falsehood. Speak the truth. Deal with what is sitting in between you and your spouse. Have the conversation in new anger and with compassion. And you might find 
that whatever comes in during the week or the day or the month, it's not going to rock the boat. It's not going to blow up in your face. And worse, friends, worse, to a world that is empty, dying, and lost. We make it worse when we execute illegitimate anger. We rip the carpet under our credibility, our integrity, and the gospel grace. No more of that. Amen? Amen. So much harm because we react with illegitimate anger or we confuse the legitimate and illegitimate anger. By God's grace, 2023, new life, new way, new anger. Which you are more than capable, more than equipped, more than resourced to do. Amen? Let us pray. Pray. Father, none of us would be Christian, none of us would be Christian if you did not love your enemies. And if you did not overcome evil with good. But you did, Lord Jesus. You overcame evil with good. You loved your enemies. You went to the menu of the fruit of the Spirit and did so much more. In your anger, you did not sin. In your anger, you did not let it fester to boiling point. And in your anger, you gave no room for the devil. You were perfect and spotless. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that in you, there is victory. You, Lord Jesus, are God. Father God, please reset our hearts and minds when we are angry, especially that we will now, from now on, take directives from you, Lord, not the evil one. We will no longer lay down ourselves before the evil one when we are angry. And we will allow the evil one to control us and let evil be Lord. We will not allow any person to control us. You, God, are Lord. We will not allow allow our attitudes, our thoughts, and our actions to be directed by the evil one. Jesus Christ, you are my Lord. You died for evil. You punished evil. And may God, by your grace, would you help us not to repay evil for evil, but to make space for God's wrath. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, can we sing that song, uh, Build My Life, again? We're just going to close with that song, Build My Life. While it, sing, uh, while it plays, really want you to just take this time and decompress. Take this time. If you need to re-listen to the message,